Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. My husband, Larry Menti, obviously native Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphian and grew up with this. Didn't you have a relative who was on American Bandstand back in the day? Hey, Larry. Yeah, Jimmy He was, he, hi, how are you? Yeah, we have a relative. Uh, who was on American Bandstand, Jimmy Coffey. He was one of the dancers. And the dancers were huge stars at the time. They'd, I remember my Aunt uh, Eleanor showing mail that Jimmy got. But uh, Jerry Blavitt, I think the first time uh, America saw him was on, the, on Bandstand before Dick Clark. <laughs> he was on Bob Horn. Bob Horn was the first host of uh, American Bandstand back in the 50s, and they had Jerry Blavitt on. That was his first appearance he was he was big into the music industry before he became a DJ, and um, but then you know he skyrocketed in Philadelphia on WIBG. Now I will admit that there were there were two types of people growing up. If you were an adolescent or a teenager growing up in the late '60s and the early '70s in the Philadelphia area, and even the early '60s, there were two radio stations: WFIL and WIBG. They both competed. They were huge radio stations. They both were top 40. I have to admit, I was more of a WFIL guy. <laughs> WIBG, WFIL, and this is for people that remember, they're going to remember these names, Dangerous Dan Donovan, Brotherly Love. And they, for a while, they were the, the, the boss station with the boss chicks. They had a bus that went around town. But Blavitt was really owned the the music industry he was always working and he was always like he always had a connection he was he was big with lits they they he had a show for a while after american bandstand i think it was called like discography or disco philly or something like that he was a tv show and he had a whole section disco phonic scene disco phonic that's it we got it disco phonic yeah yeah, and he had a whole section in Lit Brothers where you could buy clothes for that generation. And I heard an interview with him once where he said he gave them that idea. They wanted to they wanted to sponsor his show and he said, Nobody that listens to me is gonna shop at your store. <laughs> you gotta you have to reach out to them. You have to show this and let me promote it on the air. So he was a he was a great businessman. Man, I you know uh, Don, you got you got to know him later in life. I got to know him. I used to walk down Market Street to go nice. to Channel Three, and he was always out at a restaurant, sitting on the street eating. Fork. He was. It was and fork. 
four kids. I just I couldn't remember they were in wrestling. He snap his fingers. He did the same thing to me because yeah. I was at Fox. And he would snap his fingers. Hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he'd snap his fingers so quickly, and he always had some great compliment for you too. Like one time, I was walking down the street after eating, and I go by, and he's snapping his fingers. He goes, "There he goes, the next John Facenda, right there." <laughs> I love always it. Always smiling, <laughs> always up, always happy, so full of energy. My God, he yeah. was so full of energy. Uh, you, now, you did a story on him. I, I've interviewed him a few times. Yeah. But I remember you did a story. You got into his apartment. Yes, yeah, so I in mean, Society in, Hill. In a I, good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a sweetheart. He, you know, and I went in his fridge. I said, what is Jerry Blavitt? What does he eat? He had this really healthy diet, sort of the Mediterranean diet. Did you know he's not in the – he's in Philadelphia's Music Alliance Hall of Fame. He got in there in uh, 1993. And I guess he has – there's an exhibit in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in, uh, in Cleveland. But he's, he's not technically an inductee. So I hope that they do it posthumously. Yeah, they should. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because Cleveland and Philadelphia fought over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, has always been weird about Philadelphia, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, they have these huge exhibits when you go there to Seattle and to New Orleans and to San Francisco, up to Nashville. They have all of these areas where you can go and you can see that. They, unbelievably, they don't have Philadelphia. And Jerry Blavitt was the top DJ in town during a time that Philadelphia was the music capital of the rock capital of the world. I mean, the sounds coming out of South Philadelphia, the, the, the sounds coming out of the studio, the sound of Philadelphia with Gamble and Huff and others. And, um, uh, and, and the American bandstand. And it was, it was an amazing time in Philadelphia for music and for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to ignore all of that is incredible. So I'm not surprised that Jerry Blavitt's not in there. They have never, they've not been kind to Philadelphia ever since they moved to Cleveland. I, I, that's the only thing, I, that's the only way to explain it. Yeah. I mean, how is, I'm not even sure Dick Clark's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, that's a how, sin. <laughs> that, it, I, I don't believe that's true. So, uh, but, it, you know, getting, getting back to Jerry, I, I've had some, I've had some tense, interviews with him over the years yes. because oh sure sure because and anybody's always friendly and we were always friendly at the end and we'd always talk it out but you know because there was all of these allegations right. that Skinny he was tied for crime mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i as a young reporter i covered angelo bruno's funeral and when i was there he was security and i could he had a gun and i you know i know why now they call him the heater with the heater he had a heater <laughs> and he he was driving Angelo Bruno around for a while. But, you know, I uh, I don't want to besmirch him at all because nothing. He was investigated over and over again, which is what he told me and put his finger in my face. He was investigated continuously. They they followed him. They they looked at his life. They tore apart his life. They never found anything. No. He was always accused of things. He was accused of payola when there was the big payola scandal. They never proved anything about him. And they never – he liked to hang around organized crime. There's no question. I mean, there was some famous killings where he was at the table. But Allegedly. he never, ever was connected. No, he, I, think it's, I think it's been – that one's been proven. But he's, he never was – 
he was friendly with them. He grew up in that neighborhood. Right. I think anybody in that neighborhood, in the South Philly neighborhood where he grew up, was knew the people. And he became friendly with them because he was a star, and they loved that he came up from there. But as far as being involved in organized crime, they never proved anything. So I hope when they bring up his life, which is all this beautiful life, yes. that is just a footnote and everything is allegedly or anything is disproven because um, he was adamant about that. And in his book, he was adamant about that, too, which is one of the times I interviewed him was about his book. But uh, uh, what a what a shining light in Philadelphia. I mean, well he's said. not only a Philadelphia legend, he is a national radio legend. He changed the business. He's the one that said, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm not going to listen to any of this research. I know a good song. I know what a hit's going to be. And, and because of him, there were so many Philadelphians that went on to have massive careers because of him. So many of the early groups in the 60s were from South Philadelphia. And, they op- and it was Jerry Blavitt that opened the door for them. Oh, that's a great tribute. I think... Anthony Terenzo actually worked with him and had a clip. Hear the clip of the bandstand stuff, Anthony, and then share. And I, I think Jimmy did, too. Here we go. Jerry Blanton. What do you do, sir? Gita with the heater. <laughs> <laughs> this man is probably the uh, most prominent young people's disc jockey in the city of Philadelphia in Camden, New Jersey. When I went back locally in my neighborhood, I was like, wow. Hey, saw you this afternoon dancing, man. <laughs> saw you doing the cha-cha. Saw you doing the stroll. Saw you jitterbugging. Man, you were out of sight. So you lived in a neighborhood, and you were a star in your neighborhood. But you. So just a little clip there, just to hear his yeah, voice and how he's... Clark, that was Dick Clark interviewing him. Yeah. How cool is that, interviewing him? Yeah, he, he was on with Dick Clark in 1960 when the show, when Dick Clark took over the show. And but he forgets because time passes on. Philadelphia was in the music scene, and Jerry Blavitt was at the top of it. You know, if Jerry Blavitt played your record, you were going to be a star. And he's the one that chose. He didn't go by a list. He didn't go by executive. He chose. And so um, he is such a legend. He knew music. I remember one time talking to him. And it was after they had a 4th of July celebration that he was the host of on the steps of the art museum in Philadelphia. And Patti LaBelle was there. And I said to him, I watched that and I saw you coming out. And he was doing like a a real fast duck walk and snapping his fingers. And he was going at him uh, at Patti LaBelle. And he goes, oh, you know why I did that? Because it was weird. It was like right in the middle of her song. He came out doing that. And I, I said, I thought you just I thought it was all planned. He goes, no, no, no. Patty couldn't hear because of the reverb was so bad. And he goes, and I wanted to give her the beat. Oh. I could see she was having a problem. So I gave, went out and did that to give her the beat of the music so she can get back on track. That is so awesome. You know- How incredible is that? To, to not only know the beat was off, know the reverb was there, notice her and know there's a problem, and then to fix it, to have the courage and to have the stardom to be able to do that and go fix it in a very clever way because everybody just thought, like I did, it was part of the act. And to have that live presence to, th- to think, act now, do this. But like you're saying, doing it in a way that isn't obvious 
and that's talent. You're getting great reaction. So we, we uh, shout out to Danny. The man says, thanks. Great look back to a true icon. He always brought the energy. Christina Rostelli, trust me, you know, giving reaction online. So I, I think Larry, um, Tom Craig, very, very nice. A lot of people, you know, you're bringing back the memories, Larry, as as we oh, pay yeah. tribute. Yeah, oh. Jerry Blavitt. And all beautiful memories. And look, and for anybody that used to go, speaking of memories, anybody that went to his club in Margate, memories, um, I think that everybody should go there this weekend. I'm not even sure it's open, but if, they, if anybody's listening, open it up. Because that's one of the best places to, to pay tribute to Jerry Blavitt at his club. He used to have that dance party every week. And uh, talk about a guy that, you know, he was in his 70s and still dancing and still singing and still sounded the same. He was amazing. He was one of those guys, really, that you thought would never die because he never looked like he had a bad day. And he always looked energetic and full of life. And so that's that's why I think people are hit hard by it. Yeah. Yeah. This morning. And I had not, I did not see, I guess the family, his daughter had put word out that he was in hospice last night and they were saying prayers. And then it was this morning that that was breaking news, carried, by the way, by national, you know, it's making national news as well, which is nice that they're giving him tributes. But I did, I it made, it, I cried this morning when I saw it. because I was like, oh, Jerry, because he is, he's that timeless person with so much positive energy. Yeah, he loved you, Don. And I remember also um, you had a, a producer with you, and you went to his apartment and talk about what you know. Jerry was single, and uh, and Jerry was still older, but didn't he hit on your producer? <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I don't which, remember. Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. They were both single. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing at all wrong with that. But I mean. <laughs> He was, he he lived a good life up right until the very end. He was always that, and and he always had a game, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, and very charming, you know. And he was able, he was very smooth with all of that. So none of it was, you know, weird or anything like that. Everybody loved him. That's the cool thing. Incredibly charming and always in shape. When you were in the apartment, yes. you can tell how much I, I love that story. When you were in the apartment, didn't he have something where he hung himself upside down? Yeah, like one of those back stretcher things where you yeah, get I mean, on had, it and then it's like a teeter-totter thing. And then you – and then so I had to do it. It was really cool. But he, so he did, was always – I think that he was always concerned about his health and his age and always wanted to be that – the geeter with the heater, the boss with the hot sauce. He always wanted to be able to be that guy. And mentally uh, – talk about how sharp was he mentally – up until you know, the last time I saw him was just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Up until a few years ago, he was still as sharp as a tack. He was the fastest talking guy I've ever heard on the radio. Yes. And he was always like that up until the very end. He was incredibly sharp. His body's what gave out. His mind never gave out. Yeah, well, you said what he was worried about. He told me at the time when I was at his, you know, his condo in Society Hill, the reason he had that back stretcher you know, med- or really athletic equipment that people use is because he was self-conscious of, it was called an inversion table, but it basically is a back stretcher because he didn't want to get shorter because he was already like five, six and a half. 
<laughs> and so he told me that it helped him so that, you know, how you kind of people get like a little shrink, you know, they start to shrink when they get older. So it was his way of staying, you know, staying tall or as tall as possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, as of the famous Philadelphians, the people that, you know, not not someone like you know Bill Cosby, although he's a famous Philadelphia. Not someone like Will Smith or, or or somebody like Bradley Cooper. You know, famous Philadelphians that went on and made it big. He always stayed here. He was always ours. Yeah, and he had a national name, and he certainly had a national influence on the music industry. But he never left, and I don't. I I can't even imagine him being offered a job in L.A. and taking it. He he wanted to be here. He was ours, and, and we were his. And so there, that relationship was way too important for him, for him ever to move on. And more than anything else, I'm touched by that. I mean, how many people are there that when they make it big, you know, don't move on? And he was the biggest. For back in, back in the day, he was the biggest in the country. He had more influence on the music industry. He could have taken an LA job. He could have been with a record company if he wanted to. But no, he was he was always true to the to this area, it's and so and true. lived and born was born here, lived here, and died here. So, and I'm sure that's the way he wanted it. And his memory lives on. Larry Menti, what a great tribute! Thank you so much, my better half. Larry, thanks, thanks so much for sharing that. Just beautifully oh, said. Oh no, thanks for. I, I I love to do it. Did you take out the garbage? It's garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she really wanted you on. Oh my gosh. No, I, Sorry. No, I, I took it out very Thank early you. this morning. Anthony, does she do this to you? You're, you're like, <laughs> like her uh, work husband. Does she, is she as tough on you as she is on me? Because I'll, I'll, t- I'll, keep, I'll pay attention to the patterns. I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> Go take out Buddy. So I can. She locked me in the room here. I have to wait till she comes home to unlock the door. <laughs> Thank you, I'll thank see you all later. Have a good weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.